I want to read to you from Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible with you or in reach on the sofa, Galatians chapter 5. Again, just a few verses which are well known to us all. Commencing to read from chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I don't know how much television you you watch. Um, I don't watch a great deal but sometimes I turn it on and it happens to be uh, part of the Antiques Roadshow. I don't know how many of you have watched that. Yeah, a few. Yeah. I was surprised to actually find out that it's actually been running since 1979. Can you believe that? That's sort of 40 years. I thought it might have been running 20, 25 years but but from that time, that's amazing. And for those of you, if you haven't watched it, members of the public actually bring along items that they want to be valued by the, the experts. And the, the items aren't necessarily in good condition, uh, but they tend to have had them for some time and they've been curious as to how much that particular item is worth. But what's interesting is that if the item is very, very um, expensive, has a great uh, worth, it's very rare that the owner decides to sell it because that particular item means something to them and brings them happiness when they actually, um, when they actually look at it. In a similar way, there's a more recent program on TV called The Repair Shop. How many of you have actually watched the repair shop? <laughs> yes. Yeah, fascinating. Such skilled people in that place. It's slightly different from the Antiques Roadshow because people don't bring items for valuation, but obviously to be repaired. And again, many of the items are in a very bad state. And the owners don't always want the item to be made to look brand new. They just want it to work as it once did. And really the owners often have the same kind of reaction. They don't want to part with it, even when it's fixed and mended, because it's probably of sentimental value. It might have been passed down to them from their parents or, or, or grandparent. If I was to ask you, and you can tell me later, if you have a particular possession that brings you happiness and 
joy, I wonder what it would be. It may actually be just a card or a book that has someone's writing in it. I have a, a, a book at home, or I think I have because I couldn't find it this week when I was looking for it, which just has my mum's name in it, her signature. And just now and again, I like to, to look at it. My mum died when I was in my teens, and there's very few things that I have that belong to her. But it, it brings me a sense of, of joy just seeing her writing again. It may be a, a green cup that once belonged to a great aunt, an object like that, that again gives us memories. Or maybe it isn't even a physical possession. Maybe it is a memory, a memory of a child that's giggling that brings us joy when we, we think about it. But this morning we're going to think about biblical joy and, and think about what, what that is. Okay. So biblical joy is not dependent on what is going on in our life, in our world. It doesn't depend on the people that we're with. It doesn't depend on the possessions that we own. It doesn't depend on what we're giving to people at Christmas. And it doesn't depend on what we may find under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. No earthly thing can give us a heavenly joy. There's a section in Deuteronomy which we see in front of us. And it's a passage about the people of Israel bringing their tithes and making offerings to God. And it says in chapter 26, verse 11, having brought your offering, brought your tithe, then you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. This was an instruction from God to take time to reflect on what he has done and to let our reflection cause us to have a response of joy. Now we know that the Old Testament, if we go through the Old Testament, in part it's looking forward to a future point in history when we see the realization of a promise of God for a savior. And today our joy, a Christian's joy, is anchored in the knowledge that God fulfilled his promise. And like the joy of the Israelites back in the times of Deuteronomy, our joy is a response to what God has already done and continues to do in our lives. The lady in the video pointed out that there was a period of 400 years of God's silence, if you like, of a degree of confusion and a longing within the hearts of the Jewish people. And it was into this space, into this kind of vacuum, that one day the angels appeared to those shepherds in the fields. And they announced to those shepherds the good news of Jesus that would bring great joy to all people. 
And during Advent, we celebrate that joy. We celebrate that the coming of Jesus offers us a capacity to have that relationship with God. And we also have that inner joy as we look forward to Jesus' second coming that we, will, that we know will take place. When he will return and his kingdom will bring in a time of unhindered relationship with God and with each other. Now, I don't know how much you remember of last week's message, but hopefully you will remember that when we looked at peace, we recognize that it is an intended characteristic of God's kingdom. And in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Paul makes this observation. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. These are attributes of God's kingdom. Now, I know that I'm not very good at thinking about the fact that God is actually a joyful God. Maybe it reflects something of my upbringing. My dad was a fairly formal person and he was fairly strict and I know that people often say that you can easily transfer the kind of character of your earthly father onto your understanding and image of God but God is joyful in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 Zephaniah says this your Lord, your God, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I think if you went out onto the streets this morning into the town and asked what people thought about God, how they see God. You know, one of the things that comes to their minds is the Ten Commandments. You know, oh, thou shalt not. They don't appreciate necessarily the joy that God has. Luke seeks to remind us of that in his, his, in his gospel, chapter 10. And he made this observation as he was watching Jesus and with the, as he was with the disciples. At their, that very moment, Jesus overflowed with joy from the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and shown them to babies. Indeed, Father, this brings you happiness. Now, I sat down um, on the sofa last night and I picked up a book which I'm reading at the moment, but I haven't actually picked it up for about four weeks. And I opened the book 
at where my bookmark was. And actually my eyes alighted on the, on the actual verse that we just got in front of us, which was on the page. And I just want to read a sentence from the book. In this touching passage, Luke 10, 21 to 24, Jesus seems positively gleeful as in no other scriptural passage that we read. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And if you actually look at the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar, that's for sure, the Greek suggests a state of mind in which people may jump up and down with joy. So Jesus overflowed with joy. And again, if, I don't know if you remember back to last week when we were thinking about how much peace we've got. Many of the writers of the New Testament letters in their greeting to their letter said, may you, may you be multiplied, may peace be multiplied to you, not just have a little bit of peace, but may you have an abundance of it. So Jesus overflowed with peace. There was an occasion when Philip said to Jesus, Lord, please show us the Father. We want to know about the Father. And Jesus' was reply, reply was that, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the physical representation of Father God. Jesus is joyful. He, he was overflowed with joy. And he's just demonstrating the character of his father, Father God. And if we move on to another passage in John chapter 15, this is that great chapter when Jesus talks about the vine. Here we find out what Jesus's will is for us. He says, I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. Full and complete and overflowing. That's what God's intention is for us, to know that deep-seated joy that will stand the test when we find ourselves in difficult situations. Paul makes reference to this in Colossians chapter 1. He prays for the church at Colossae and says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. So Paul recognized that even in times of difficult, in difficulty, even like times that we find ourselves in now, God's joy, that deep-seated joy, can still be present in our lives. But it's not something that we manufacture. We can't work out or work up God's joy. It is something that God provides. 
And Paul, when writing to the Romans in chapter 15, said this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's those two attributes again. God wants us and is the source of all joy and peace. As we read earlier, it is a fruit of the Spirit. And as we spend more time with God, as we spend more time with the Holy Spirit, he can actually bring forth his fruit in our lives. Christmas is drawing closer. And we celebrate the word becoming flesh and living amongst us as humankind. And in our midst, he offers the people that he loves the fullness of joy for which we were made. But the joy that we have in Jesus shouldn't just be ours at Christmas time. It's not seasonal. It is something that we should experience all year round. You know, part of the reason that the world struggles to find biblical joy and lasting joy it's because it doesn't really understand what biblical joy is. It confuses joy with feeling good. In a world of advertising which peaks at times like this, we're encouraged to feel good all the time and to get whatever it takes to make our lives happier. But the truth is that no amount of material things or stimulants or comforts can compensate for a lack of deep-seated joy in our spirits and in our souls. As Christians, we can testify that the source of our joy lies in Emmanuel, God with us. I came across this quote by A.W. Tozer who, if you've never heard of him, look him up. He says some very wonderful things. And I guess in this quote, he clarifies one of the reasons why we need to experience for ourselves the joy of God. He says, the Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. In this day of universal apprehension, when men's hearts are failing them for fear of those things that are coming upon the earth, we Christians are strategically placed to display a happiness that is not of this world and to exhibit a tranquility, a peace that will be a little bit of heaven here below. Now in the midst of a world that is weighed down by troubles at the moment. The Christian needs to be a person who is possessed by divine joy that is infectious and attractive. As the angels announced on the night of Jesus' birth, Christianity is news of great joy. A joy to be shared by the whole people, 
And true biblical joy is what God is calling us to exhibit. This, this Christmas, will we respond to God's call to be joyful? Will we allow his spirit to work out his joy in us? Let us pray. Father, you offer that same joy to us now. If we know you and recognize Jesus as our Savior and Lord. You gave us a reason to celebrate when you gave us the unspeakable gift of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you came to dwell amongst us. You went to Calvary's cross for us. You overcame death and rose from the dead for us. You forgive our sins and you give us eternal life when we believe in you. Father, loving Father, our joy doesn't come from our jobs, our family, our relationships, our finances, or our success. Our joy doesn't come from what we have on earth or who we are with. Your joy is a gift. It is a gift that you give us and gave us that first Christmas in Jesus. Our joy is encompassed in him. Please flood our heart with joy, particularly over this Advent season, as we reflect on the good news of Jesus' birth. In his precious name we pray. Amen.